0: Welcome back, Kaufman Bond listeners, up to episode 138. And Tony, we're talking two steps forward, one step back. And, and where I want to start it is I guess for the second Sounds year. Sounds like me dieting. <laughs> and me too. For the second year running, I guess the pandemic. Since your wedding, you put on a couple kilos. I just let me get started. Sorry. For the second year running, I guess the pandemic. Was a focus for policymakers, you know, markets, businesses, and individuals. We've we've all been, you know, seeing what's going on, and it's been the topic of our lives, really. But um, 2021, the year began, I guess, with hopes um, with the vaccine rollouts, that hoping that it would actually stem the COVID spread um, and allow economies to really reopen. Instead, as we've seen, uh, most countries were hit by a wave after wave of this virus. Um, still looks like it's happening. Um, we had lockdowns and, and ongoing disruptions to our lives and livelihoods. So um, yet th- there were positives um, and you know, we like to keep positive in that, but Australians vaccination rates exceeded all expectations. Um, I guess when you look worldwide as well, and, and while property and the share markets actually did well during those periods. So as we stay with our clients um, and our investors who stayed the course, actually enjoyed double digit returns from their superannuation you know, the the median growth fund uh, in the industry tipped uh, to return more than 12% for the year, so... To the end of December, yeah. Yeah, so I think when you look back, uh, we have a lot of frustrations, but as we always talk about in this podcast, in staying the course, it's quite important.
1: Staying the course is actually the most important thing, and Jamie, I don't know if you remember, but when this pandemic first started and we were a bit unsure, and especially when markets were coming down, so this was... 2020 wasn't it? So it's uh, so basically the first quarter, so January to March 2020, um, and it was actually quite interesting because having spent just shy of 30 years in this industry, I've seen lots of market crashes. I've like, seen lots of exuberance and then coming down, etc. And one of the comments that I made was I wasn't too concerned about this, and the reason being was. There was no fraud involved, like what happened in the GFC, which was the most recent scar that I carry. Um, And, you know, when the last quarter of 2018, the markets came down, no one really noticed it, because it was like half a percent a day, and then all of a sudden it was down 10% for that quarter, uh, and it basically wiped off all the entire returns for the year. But no one noticed it, because it was little bit by little bit, but there's nothing like um, that magnificent marketing machine called the, you know, mainstream media, uh, to bring out. And of course, you know, the famous uh, quote uh, that Willard has repeated on numerous occasions, over you a know, bleeds, it leads. And so the, wor- the worst predictions is what they would lead with the worst. Uh, so there was a hell of a lot of uncertainty. People didn't know what was going to happen. And as a result, people started selling off their stocks. Other people started selling off their stocks. But it was the biggest and quickest V I've ever seen. So in other words, the market would drop nearly like 5% in a day and then recover 4.5% the next day. And you know, all my clients that listen to this, uh, they'll have heard us talk about the Boxing Day sales on numerous occasions. And the amount of people that rang and said, is this the Boxing Day sales? I said, I think it could be. you know. And, and I think that was the key is that I think with education, our clients understood, but staying the course because you cannot pick the market. You cannot pick the. If I was to ever pick a share or the market right at the bottom, that is pure luck. There's you just kind of know when it's in the dip and something's cheap and something's offering good value. Um, And. When you stay the course of time, and we were even talking yesterday about a client who said, oh, probably overpaid for this property last year by about 20 grand. I said, in 10 years, you won't even remember the conversation. Yep. No, just, and that's just, you know, even at a 6% growth, it doubles every 12 years anyway. And that's the average growth you know, for a property. So I think clients steering the course and not panicking and then taking opportunities when the opportunities arose, I think have actually been really good.
0: Yep. So if we look at the big picture, I guess, the pandemic has taught us anything. It's to expect the unexpected, as you discussed then. Um, It's taught us anything. Australia isn't a country. It's just a continent
1: with eight individual countries in it, (laughs) run by their own... Through it Prep all, is. I guess,
0: the global economy actually picked up... I was
1: going to say
0: something worse. Wasn't I do not know laughed. The global economy picked up steam during that time. Um, if we look back to last year um, into September, the two global powerhouses, US and China, grew at an annual rate of 4.9%, whilst Australia's economy actually grew by 3.9% during that time. So the Australian economy is... Estimated um, to have grown more than four percent in 2021 alone, with unemployment falling 4.6 percent ahead of Christmas rush. But Tony, the challenges do remain um, as global demand for goods and services picked up, ongoing shutdowns disrupted manufacturing and supply chains, um, and the result was higher prices and emerging inflation. I think <laughs> to the to the eye, if people want to see that, I think you can see that now going to supermarkets and. and well,
1: but it, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's. Um The joke that went out last week was there's no avocados, the avocado shelf. So all of a sudden the millennials will be able to afford to buy houses. Eighth time I've heard you say that one. Come on, it's a good one. They'll be able, (laughs) because they're no longer buying avocado on toast for breakfast. They can have cornflakes like I grew up on. Um, But I think the, you know, and it's, it's actually not just food supplies and supermarkets, but speaking to some clients the other day both of them work um at bunnings and one of their warehouses uh whatever you call their their shops um they were on the verge of having to close it because they couldn't get staff because of all the close contact rules and things like that so uh, my favorite restaurants you know shout out to paul at university cafe just up the road there they've had to close for a week because they can't get staff because they had somebody who came in who had COVID, a staff member who was serving that person and then became a close contact, so they all became close... They can't get staff, so even though there's no lockdowns, he's said they actually had to close for a week, which has devastated me. You know, my poor carbonara.
0: In the <laughs> devastation, I think KFC stopped selling Wicked Wings for a period of time can <laughs> the chicken. Well, Ingham's,
1: um, they couldn't get the chicken out. Yeah. So who's the big supplier? You know, it's... Um, uh, well was it more meat less fat That was a wonderful uh, catch cry. so and I think so it's also you know one of our clients Nathan who owns Alpha trusts he builds trusts for uh, trusses for you know properties and he said the biggest he can't get the wood Yeah. they can't get wood you know so there, there's no wood and there's no steel and there's there's nothing coming in right now and this this has caused a big delay and I think even though these numbers suggest the Australian economy is doing quite well, when we have you know restaurants not being able to open because they can't get staff to walk the floors, that's unheard of. But we also don't have the tourists coming in, you know, the working tourists on working visas. You know, every Italian tourist gets a job uh, down in Lygon Street, uh, working as a as a waiter or a waitress, and. All That's all stopped. So, you know, we still know there's, there's no lockdowns, but the CBD is a, is a ghost
0: town like it was during lockdowns. Yeah. Felt a bit silly walking around in my suit today. <laughs> So we'll talk about inf- um, inflation and interest rates, and I think that leads on to a few other topics, especially around property. But Australia's inf- inflation rate jumped from less than 1% to 3% in 2021. This is lower than the US, where inflation hit 6.8%, but it still led to speculation about interest rate hikes. Um, and this is probably a topic of conversation that comes up a fair bit. So the Reserve Bank insists it won't list, uh, lift interest rates until inflation is sustainable between 2 and 3%. Unemployment is closer to Four percent and wage growth near three percent. Wages were up two point two percent for the year to September. What are your thoughts around sort of interest rates at the moment?
1: Um, interest rates will definitely rise. There's there's no there's no room for them to drop. To no, <laughs> so, it's, so so they're definitely going to rise. Um, and I think you are seeing that in
0: in, in well, I guess when you bring it back to home loans and things at the moment, um, yep. you are seeing a rise in those at, at present.
1: Yeah, but. This is one thing that a lot of people make mistakes on, and not our clients because we educate them, but when we look at borrowing capacity, we always look at borrowing capacity of repaying principal and interest at 6% interest rates. Yeah. And it doesn't matter w- whether you can get a one in front of that interest rate now, can you afford to make those repayments if the interest rates were to go to 6% now? They don't go from you know, one99 to 6% overnight, even from going from 2 to 6 uh, that would take at least three years yep. uh, to to actually to get to that stage. But it always comes down to the capacity to be able to make repayments, and I'm talking principal and interest repayments. Like even on our loans, when we buy businesses, Jamie, as you know, we make principal and interest repayments from day one. We always get offered interest only. Uh, But we always say no. We want to get that principle down because if interest rates do rise, we can just take a lump sum off if we want. And that's the ability to never borrow too much, so interest rates will definitely rise. Um, When you've got so much money going back into the economy, uh, just even in respect to you know the uh, job keeper going back to, into the economy in respect to businesses being not having to pay GST for a period, and you know small businesses things like that. So there's a lot of help, but that's created a lot of debt. But what it's done though is people did have cash, and now they're starting to spend. And the concern I have is, uh, for example, you've got some unions out there at the moment who are making noises about going on strike, otherwise you know give us pay rises, and that's an easy strike to have and something easy to do when there's no one re- there to replace. Yep. So if there's if there's a lack of skilled workers, so it happens, um, you know, it was a few weeks ago now, I think, so it was sort of, the time just blows into one long thing right now, but um, when the government spoke about bringing in 180,000 skilled workers and the opposition turned around and said, no, they won't support that because... You know, if, if those skilled workers don't come in, then wages have to increase. And if wages increase, then inflation increases. And Inflation increases, then interest rates increase. So it's, it's a round-robin disaster that could actually occur um, on, you know, one sector of the economy getting a pay rise out of militant action rather than um, just, you know, deserve a pay rise because you've done a great job so that's a concern with inflation as well and that, and that's happening in realistically all western economies as well around the world yep yep
0: So that leads on, I guess, with interest rates. Um, The conversation always leads to property. Um, And if you look at the Australian residential property market, it had another big year. Although the uh, the pace of growth shows signs of slowing, um, national home prices actually rose 22.1% in 2021, according to CoreLogic. When the rental income is included, the total return from property was 25.7%. Um, this is where it gets crazy for me and I, I guess I've seen it in my hometown like regional areas up 25.9% um, outplaced capital cities who are only up 21% as people fled the perceived safety and affordability of the country during the pandemic they they sort of got out of the city and, and, and out of those lockdowns so I just find it crazy some of the prices that went in the country um, especially areas of where I live I think they were up around 50% some of the growth around there so um, what do you see moving forward with the property?
1: How's Murderford going to cope before these city side is coming in? Yes. <laughs> there's right. going to be blood on the streets, it's Jamie. The streets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to help Murderford's football club, <laughs> So, it's it's a, well, in, in respect to recruit anyway, yeah. some recruits. But I think there's, I mean, there's always been a lot of people would look at um, you know, downsizing in retirement or, or yeah. moving to the country or the sort of treescape or seascape. Um, you know, in retirements. uh, And it was usually a cheaper option to be able to do that. Uh, But prices are going up. But if you take Sydney as an example, which is, you know, uh, 20 plus percent uh, growth in respect to Sydney over a 12 month period as well. If you take Sydney as an example, if you actually have a look at what the average growth in Sydney has been over the last 10 years, inclusive of that 20 percent growth last year, it's only just been over 6 percent. Which means the value of properties double every twelve years there. So, yep, there's all been growth everywhere, but with interest rates real low and things like that, it could also be a bit of a perfect storm. I think there is going to be a few areas that are going to become a little bit unstuck where you've got your $1.5 million house with your, you know, $1.1 million mortgage, and all of a sudden these people, the banks are actually going back to them now and saying, okay, we've got to switch your mortgage back on. We've given you relief, and so I think once again there are a a bit of the Australian economy does look like a bed of roses, but I think there's a few uh, horns, thorns, not horns, uh, being hidden in there as well, which we have to either be careful of, or I wouldn't go rushing out buying. And there there is that fear of missing out uh, psyche that virtually everyone has, and there you don't want to necessarily go. Running out and buying into something as a result of, oh look what everyone else has done. This is just going to keep going on forever because it never does.
0: Yep, and look, and that's why we use experts in that area as well um, to give us updates, including Rob.
1: No, absolutely. So I mean, Rob has been tremendous, not just giving us the updates, but also with clients where you'll turn around and say you're overpaying. Yeah, you know, so don't. It, no, it's not going to go for that. It'll go for this, and actually giving a bit of a. Well, not a bit of a actual realistic answer of what is going to happen uh, in that market and where things will go, and sectors that he can see things are moving, and that's because he's got thirty years' experience in the real estate industry.
0: Yeah, so I guess looking ahead in 2022, I, this pandemic <laughs> is continuing. So I think we need to be prepared for that, but financial markets will also be keenly watching signs of inflation and rising interest rates as discussed. Um, in Australia, um, inflation is in li- unlikely to be constrained while wages growth remains low and the Reserve Bank keeps rates on hold. So hopefully it sort of keeps, keeps consistent um, through the next months, but how do you see looking ahead
1: I think there's a few bubbles and a few concerns in some areas. Yep. Um, I think, though, overall, there's, with the exclusion of probably commodities and uh, and companies in Australia that actually aren't making a profit. I mean, and, and you can, you know, even, I mean, Afterpay's obviously done really well, being bought out by Square, but if you have a look at Afterpay's share price, it's, it's been on a downward trajectory, as have most of the tech sector here in Australia, um, over the last couple of months, but I think there is, and you know, if if you bought afterpay shares at 15 bucks, you're still happy. Uh, if you bought them at 115, you're not so happy. Uh, but it's the same with anything. If you're going into something because of the fear of missing out, you know, potentially you could lose uh, because you've already missed out. Cool. Uh, so, I think overall, from a global perspective, I think there's real opportunities. Um, I do see. Uh, you know we're slowly re-weighting our portfolios a bit more back to Australia at the moment we've had a great run in the US for the last few years and that's done really well for our clients and their portfolios but we're starting to bring back into um, Australia sort of that mid to large cap range in Australia now uh, we certainly are having a bit of an ESG focus there as well is you know with our Australian shares and international shares also and the reason behind that is because there is a real focus and a push in that sector Um, and there's been enough pressure put on companies now that they have to uh, you know look at the diversity they have to take it all seriously uh, for the betterment of the world and you know Willard put out a cartoon post uh, the other day I think it was on Facebook, might have been on LinkedIn, not too sure. Uh, but I thought it was actually really good where, you know, somebody it was like a cartoon was done up by somebody's in a forum and they said, what happens, you know, if spending, you know, what happens if we, you know, we're making all these differences and cleaning up the environment and cleaning up the world and it all ends up, you know, being a hoax. And the other person turns around and says, it's still a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> so, and, and it's true, you know, so you know, even even if you don't believe, but if there's a lot of money and a lot of industry fund money now being pushed towards that sector, well, if we're already owning in that sector, it's going to be a heavy push. And there is certainly, uh, you know, iron ore prices won't stay where they are and things like that. So I wouldn't have any exposure to commodities, whether you're ESG focused or not uh, right now. Um, and I wouldn't have any exposure to commercial property right now as well, you know, just with vacant offices all over the place. So, it's, uh, so they're sort of areas of concern. But overall, I think 2022 is actually going to be a pretty good year. Still be some volatility, but a pretty good year.
0: Love it. Thanks for your time today, Tony.